Hello everyone, before we get into this little thing, I forgot to say this at the beginning of this recording, so I'm now doing it at the end and then editing it in, so here you go. Uh, before we start this um, episode, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supported these episodes. Um, the Who Review was a big experiment on my part, incorporating my Doctor Who content onto my podcast channel, um, and I'm glad to see so many wonderful people joining on and even checking out the film reviews alongside it, which so it's, it's been a really great honor to be able to do that and it's been so exciting to see something that i'm so passionate about this podcast getting the traction um that i've always wanted it to get so please please do of course keep checking it out we've got loads of episodes on here season two of the podcast is wrapping up now in terms of its film reviews um so once this episode's done of course with the who review we'll be doing one more panel review this weekend of the spider-man films obviously there was star wars last week but yeah feel free to check them out there are 18 full film reviews each with a guest live on the podcast now alongside that we've got two and this weekend there'll be three panel reviews one commentary track and a few little bonus episodes as well so please do consider checking out some of the older episodes and seeing if there's any guests you might like or any films you want to hear about i really really do appreciate the support i'm going to read through them now just because i'm a boring you know boring old fart but i'm going to read through basically all the episodes we've got so far for those who weren't aware and yeah so here we go um we've got in terms of our main film reviews we've got whiplash with josh carr the star wars prequel trilogy with cooper britain the terminator with adam martin Rocket Man with Ethan Staple, Shaun of the Dead with Jack Murphy, Back to the Future Trilogy with Joel Johnson, the John Wick Trilogy with Troy Francis Dumont, we've got The Shining with Callum Reed, we've got Hot Fuzz with Jack Murphy, The French Dispatch with Nicole Rumble, Last Night in Soho with Max Adams, Psycho with Samuel Davis, The Room with Fetin Sardiner, The Lost Daughter with Zara Trott, and as previously mentioned, we've got two Star Wars episodes already for the prequels and original trilogy, both with Cooper Britton, and we've also got two MCU reviews as well, uh, covering all six of the films in Phase 1, Part 1 with Philip Hawkins, and Part 2 with the wonderful Ben Vasher. So there are all the episodes there. We've also got panel reviews covering the Oscars, Chris Nolan's filmography, and coming this weekend, the Spider-Man films. So, yeah, there's a lot there. And if you're, hard, if you're not already familiar with these... Um, please go and check them out if any of them take your fancy or keep your interest please do follow the podcast please do keep supporting it i'm gonna have some very exciting and new content from the new year onwards in season three and beyond so i hope to see you there and yeah enjoy the doctor who review hello everybody and welcome back to a brand new episode of the who review here on spill your beans this is our last doctor who flux review which is quite exciting to talk about um obviously it's been a bit of a mess this week, obviously, for those who watch my YouTube review, you knew I was a bit late on that one, but I'm also a little bit late on this one by a day as well, so isn't that just fun and great and well-organised? I've had a chance to re-watch the episode now um, and sort of break it down and sort of have a think about my actual proper final thoughts and opinions on what they did with this and how it affects Flux as a whole in terms of enjoyment. Um... So yeah, no, I'm here we go, I guess. This is going to be a really weird one, because this episode, in terms of structure and pacing, is just all over the place, so I don't even feel like I can section different areas of this review off, if you know what I mean. It's a very strange one. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with this. We've obviously got a lot of opinions from Twitter, so that's probably going to be where most of this episode goes today, um, but we're going to try and just talk about my general thoughts coming out of this again. Um, I definitely prefer it a second time round, I'll be honest. I definitely don't despise it as much as I did the first time. Um... And it's not the same kind of like despising as like Hellbent or something, where it's like just sort of like that's like a story point. The story doesn't work for me. Whereas this, the story is fine. It's just how the story is 
actually executed is the problem for me. This feels like an episode that was supposed to be about an hour and a half that's been like crammed into an hour. And I'm not just meaning like in terms of how much they've got going on. I mean, literally, it feels like an hour and a half episode. There are some cuts in terms of editing that are so lazy and don't work that it just, it throws you out of it. And I, I might just be the only one who noticed this. Maybe it's because I study media or whatever that I, I just notice this stuff more often. But it just, there's certain things, like for example, when 13 is scanning the passenger form, um, it cuts from a shot of her standing in front of the passenger form to already walking behind the passenger form. And of course, it's just a cut, it doesn't really matter. But you can tell that they've only cut around that because they didn't have the time in the episode to have a bit where she just walked around to make that uh, continuity work. There's also another part like that at the beginning of the episode, I can't remember exactly what it is. I think it's when 13 ends up in the Williamson Tunnels or something. But there's just so many strange cuts that feel like time savvy and that's my biggest issue with this is just it's not really a bad story the acting's not terrible the dialogue isn't bad really to, to, to the biggest extent i think i was just disappointed with a lot of things in terms of specifically the um the origins and lore of the doctor angle stuff i'm disappointed with that and we'll get on to that but in terms of an actual episode i feel like it's probably my least favourite of the entirety of Flux, only because it feels so incoherent and weirdly unprofessional. This feels like a rough cut. It, I mean, and not to be horrible, it just, it's in the editing. You know, the story's fine. It's just the editing and it shows, really, it shows how important editing really is. And I'm not talking about VFX, I'm not talking about sound design, I'm talking about literally, like, shot to shot, how it's cut together. Because this really feels like it should have been a longer episode and i wish it had been i wish we didn't have to cram it down to an hour and if we did have to cram it down to an hour then why couldn't last week be an hour as well opposed to being like 50 minutes 53 minutes like if you want if you're running out of time make every episode an hour you know like really go out there and try and put as much in as you can the stuff with unit the stuff with kate stewart the stuff with the grand serpent is only in the last two episodes really so it feels crammed and just out of place and wrong um and something that should have been explored not even just in series 13 but in series 12 as well i feel there's a lot of points i'm getting across now but let's start with the basic one of again the editing stuff um yeah that just threw me out of it because it just if it, i don't know it, i'm watching it and there's certain bits where i'm looking at them and i'm going that just doesn't that just doesn't even line up that's not how that's supposed to look or feel or anything it's just really really weird and it's not a bad thing but like it's it's something that really just drags me out of it and, and it sort of really disturbed my enjoyment of the episode. So even if the episode was something that I enjoyed, like naturally, this would have taken me out of it and really ruined it for me. And it's just really weird and it's such a shame because it feels like they'd spaced it out so well. You look at episode one, like, I'm not going to say it's a masterclass in like screenwriting or handling multiple stories at once but my god it does a fantastic job of setting up basically like everything there like in terms of all the different story threads all the different stuff Sontaran uh War of the Sontarans that does a good job of it Once Upon Time is a bit convoluted but again it continues those stories Village of the Angels does a similar thing and then it's when you get to Survivors of the Flux and the Vanquishers that you realize too much is being crammed in at once and that's where my kind of problem orientates itself around um but even with the survivors of the flux you felt like each story got a little bit of time to breathe even if it felt stupid like the the companion stuff and the whole thing about writing next to the great wall of china that didn't go anywhere um it's something that like you know like that that could have been cut out and saved time it's just like it, it really 
I don't know. I think the, the effect that the Vanquishers has in terms of editing and how much it's crammed into this episode, it really annoys me because I look back on other episodes again, like Survivors of the Flux, and go, well, all of this could have been cut out. All of this random shite could have been cut out. There's like bits of this series, which this is probably the series I've seen with Doctor Who with the least like filler. It's all story arc stuff. And I do love that, don't get me wrong, but it does get a little bit exhausting. And as much as it definitely plays to Chibnall's strengths, there's also stuff that you could really be playing around there and making better and making more impactful. I don't know. I just think there's, there's, there's room there where it could have been better spaced out towards the end, I think. It feels like they saved everything to the last minute, and then you've got an hour to resolve all of these cliffhangers. Which, in fairness, is the complaint everyone had last week, is their worry that episode 6 is going to have to tie all this up, and it won't be able to. And they were right, it kind of didn't. But, the general story. Let's talk about the things I like, because I feel like I've shat on this episode more than enough. And let's be honest, it's really not the worst episode of Doctor Who of all time. It's probably not even the worst finale of all time, let's be honest. Um... So we've got, like, a lot of stuff going on. I like the idea of the Doctor splitting three ways. I thought that was really cool. I like that idea. Um, I didn't think it was too bad at all. I think the big problem I have with this episode... Oh, God, I've just went into another criticism. Moment. Right, the things I like. I like the splitting three ways. Um, and I love the Doctor being on the um, Sontaran command, as well as in the TARDIS, um, as well as in the Division. I like that. I like the mix of that. I like the Doctor sort of talking to herself, very reminiscent of like Journey's End almost, but with a little bit, a, a bit, a little bit less, a little bit more gimmicky, a little bit less kind of like powerful in terms of what it tries to do. I suppose with Journey's End, like there's a point where um, the new Tenth Doctor, the Metacrisis Doctor, he help he blows up the Dalek Empire, killing them all. And the distinguished Tenth Doctor is like the, ori the original Tenth Doctor. He's like, no, you can't, you, know, you can't do that. That's me. That's me when Rose... That was, like, the Ninth Doctor. You know, that's, like, a, this sort of angry, revenge-driven, like, man. With Jodie, you get, like... It's obviously the same person three ways, so you don't get that dramatic tension of two different people with the same body. You get it as it's the, th it's the same person split three ways, which is fair enough, and you get a little bit of that with Journey's End as well. But with this, there's less to sort of work from. So when you get moments like 13 all-out planning to just blow up the entire Sontaran Empire, um and allowing Carvanista to do it in revenge for his species, which is fair enough. You know, it's a cool moment, I like that. But when you go back to War of the Santarans, and 13 is so objective to the general guy from the Crimean War, blowing up a small set of Santaran ships, it's like, okay, um, so like, what's what's right and what's not you've got this one thing where you're saying this is categorically wrong you have not got the right to blow up these ships they were retreating they were leaving i suppose that's the, maybe the one thing is that the the Santarans in the modern day weren't retreating they weren't leaving um they were trying to wipe out everyone bar the Santarans. so you know i got i guess i can't really complain i guess i kind of just solved my own problem there which is kind of fun um but yeah, no, the Sontaran ship blowing up and it not being addressed as to why that's allowed, why that's a thing. Like, even in the Sontaran stratagem Poison Sky, it was like, that is the last resort. That's the last thing. We have to do this because it's the only thing... It's, it's the only thing we have left. It's the only option is to blow up the Sontaran ship before they destroy the Earth or something. And that's kind of what is happening um, here, I guess, as well. Like, the Sontarans will reign overall. They will kill all humans, Daleks, Cybermen. They already have killed the Daleks and Cybermen. So, it's like, yeah. But that sort of needed to be justified in the episode. That needed to be explained. Why is 13 okay with blowing up the Sontaran ships now? Every Sontaran ship in existence. Opposed to, like, 
you know, last time in like the same series where it was, oh, you categorically cannot do this. This is wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking into it too much. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like something that was done in Journey's End quite well with the sort of thing about, like, you, you were wrong to do this. Like, this, this, you, this version of the Doctor was wrong to do this. Whereas 13 is just put back together and like, nope, absolutely fine. There's no objection to any of that <laughs> which is absolutely fine obviously it's, it's, it's how it it's how it goes but it's just another example of something that i feel it would have got more time if there was less going on that being said the santarans were great as per usual the santarans are always really good in this series they've really managed to capture that santarany aspect it's very classic very modern got the humor right you know it, it it works it's fun i get it um yeah yeah it's that i really like that sort of stuff um dan and yaz didn't really get much to do again in this which is a bit disappointing because like I really wanted them to get a bit more time. Doctor Who has always been through the companion's eyes and what it's always been very good at is developing the companion stories. Whereas this era seems to be very, like, not focusing on the companion stories, which is perfectly fine, perfectly valid, but it's very much Doctor-focused, which, again, is fine. I would just kind of like to see some more done there, especially when so much is set up before the series, talking about Yaz's mental health stuff. You've got stuff being mentioned about Dan, like what's the big secret about Dan? What's Dan discovering about himself? What's he hiding? Not even a mention in this entire series about what Dan's hiding or keeping to himself. Apparently there was something, because that's what they talked about in the interviews, but maybe that's going to be explored in the specials. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> presumably it's about his thing where he's, he's like in poverty, like he can't afford food or something, but like... That's never been brought up since episode one. And again, it's that sort of disappointing kind of thing that's kind of forgotten about. It's like, if Dan, like, can't afford food and doesn't have a house because it was shrunk in episode one, by the end of this episode, how is he just, like, going about his day, like, booking tables at restaurants and, like, just wandering into the museum again? Like, I get... I, I get what it's saying. is like, Oh, yeah, he's just gone back to normal. The doctor, doctor and Yaz pick him up. But he hasn't got a house. That was never resolved. And I think that's one of the things with this episode is there's a lot of things that are just opened up that people are going, well, what, what happened there? Because there's so much to handle, it gets the main stuff out of the way and sets up the next few episodes. But what it doesn't do is kind of answer its own sort of questions. Like, what's happened to Dan's house? Where's Dan living now? Obviously, he joins the TARDIS team by the end, but it sort of seems to forget that Dan's house has been shrunk and he doesn't have a house anymore, you know? Um, unless he's living with his parents, I suppose. You've got... Stuff like the rest of the universe. A lot of people asking questions about, well, what happened to the rest of the universe? Did the flux get fixed? Is the universe still in absolute tatters? I know the flux event, the final flux event, was sort of sucked up. But is the is the universe itself actually like broken, like dead? Is that is that it? Like, is the whole universe actually just in tatters now? Is that is that how it is? I don't really know. It's really weird to sort of think about because. Yeah, the rest of the universe is, like, gone. We saw in Survivors of the Flux that, like, most of the universe is dead now. Like, there's barely anyone left. All these races, all these beings. There's technically no Daleks left. There's technically no Cybermen left. There's technically no Santarans left. No doubt they'll come back. We know the Daleks are literally in the next episode. And it's not a thing of, like, ooh, they're setting something up. I think it comes from a place of just knowing how Chibnall's era has gone before... Are we going to even have these questions answered or are they just going to be skipped over and be like, ah, oh, here, the Daleks are back? Because I kind of would like an actual answer or conclusion to this. Like, where has that, where's that gone? Where is that going? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a really, really odd one. But that being said, you know, it, it does, it does the trick in the best way possible. I still, 
I still love what it manages to do and like in a lot of different aspects despite these kind of big glaring plot holes I feel like the one thing this episode just does that I'm kind of sure a lot of people are in a bit of agreement is it is a lot of fun and I do get a lot out of it and I and I actually do enjoy it but at the same time in terms of basic story structure editing pacing it just is not there in comparison to the rest of the episodes it's also putting out a lot it's trying to bring together a lot it has some fantastic development with characters like carvanista um but then a really disappointing ending for characters like vinda and bell people who just aren't like it was supposed to be like big characters who are bigged up to be big characters now maybe this isn't the last we've seen of those characters maybe we've got three episodes left we've got three specials left they're probably not going to be in the eve of the daleks but we've got the easter special the piratey one and then we've got the big centenary special and if graham's back in the centenary special i'm sure we're going to see maybe carvanista maybe Belle and Vinder again. Maybe their story is relevant. I'm not saying I wanted the theory about them being the Doctor's parents to be true, but it seemed like they were setting that up. It seemed like they were setting up something important about this kid, something beyond just a one-line thing where she's like, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. Oh my god, really? You're pregnant? Like, it seemed a little bit deeper than just that one line. It seemed like an actual reveal that she's got a baby on the way. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one. Again, like it's not a huge diss. I just wish these characters were given more to do. And it's not like a thing of slagging off the whole series. Go back and watch any of the other reviews that I've done on YouTube, on Spotify, etc. I have given a lot of praise to the Halloween Apocalypse, For the Suntarans, Once Upon Time, Village of the Angels, and Survivors of the Flux with a few minor things in that episode. The Vanquishers are the only one that I feel let down by because the rest of this series, 5 out of 6, has been pretty bloody good. It's like it's the same sort of feeling I'd have from, let's say, like, I don't know, like, like series one. Let's say in series one, the long game doesn't exist. It's a dud, and let's say that doesn't exist. The rest of the series is 12 episodes long, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Series one's brilliant. But then let's say, just for example, that Parting of the Ways ends up being really weirdly edited, really overstuffed, and a really, like, non-satisfying conclusion. That's kind of how I feel, is that, like, it's not basing it and going, oh, well, Doctor Who used to be good, it's not anymore. No, it is still good. I'm comparing it to this series. I'm let down a little bit by this episode because the rest of the series has been so stellar that this feels just really weirdly out of place. It doesn't even feel like it concludes the series, which is such a shame because, like, I know it does. I'm watching the episode and I'm like, this is concluding some of the major plot points. But what it also seems to do is forget about basic stuff. Like, I haven't even talked about Swarm and Azor because they don't really do anything in this episode. They kind of mess about a little bit. It's revealed that they're working to a higher cause to release some sort of being that is time itself, which is interesting as a concept. And I'm, I'm totally a fan of, by the way. Um, but they just get wiped out really, really easily. And I don't know how I feel about that. They were great villains. I mean, what happened to the whole regeneration thing in episode one? Like, Swarm changed from one actor into another with totally different facial features. Like, it looked as if they regenerated. So why the hell, what, what was that about? I thought they were going to be something like Time Lordy, something like mysterious that's going to be discovered. It's like, it's like Chekhov's gun, right? If, if, if in film or TV you are shown something in Act 1, it's going to come back later, it's going to be important. But I think with Flux, let's say Act 1 is War of the Sontarans and the Halloween Apocalypse. It's like, yeah, they managed to bring stuff back like the house. Maybe it wasn't exactly what we thought it was, like the Doctor's childhood home or something. But, you know, it is what it is. You mix that with 
like the stuff like the regeneration stuff with uh, swarm, and it's like, well, how how does how does that work? Like how how where 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 did that get paid off? Why did they use two different actors? Why did they use different makeup? Like, surely that... I mean, they're trying to do the whole thing in COVID, so, like, surely it would make more sense to have one actor for all. But no, they actually changed the actors' appearances. It was a specific choice by design to allow this character to have some sort of regenerative process not dissimilar from Time Lords. But it's never built upon. It's never expanded or talked about. And it's stuff like that. There's a lot of examples in this episode of things. Because it's the finale, naturally it's going to get that flack if it doesn't round off the important things. But I think the problem, really, the big one with this, and I know I'm, I'm shitting on this episode a lot. I don't mean to be. I think it's just the important things I feel like I want to say about this are negative. But at the same time, it's not without repair. We've still got three specials left that this era could wrap up really well on. I think for me, what this episode, it's this whole season builds up like the doctor wants to find out more about the division they want to find out more about their past life and all that sort of kin caboodle but what they don't end up doing is getting anywhere beyond where they were at the end of series 12 at the end of series 12 there's that really important message from joe martin's ruth doctor where it says have you ever been defined by who you are before that's a good point that's a really, really good point. And you know what? A lot of people diss the Timeless Children. I think it's a good episode. I genuinely think it's a good finale. And I think it really, like, considering where it's gone in Series 13 with the Division and stuff, I think the Timeless Children is a great middle point for revealing enough and hyping up enough for the next series. It does that right amount, right in the middle. And I know a lot of people don't like it for what it changes to the law. But in terms of an episode, I can't deny that I get a lot out of it. I enjoy that episode. At least the Time Lord stuff. Maybe not the Cybermen stuff as much, but I do like the episode as a whole. It's far from one of the worst finales of all time. It gets a lot of flack. Um, but that's what I mean. Then You come to the end of series 13, and what conclusion has the Doctor come to? To not be defined by who they were before. That's my issue, is that the Doctor is in the same place that they were at the end of series 12. The difference is they've actually physically got their past dangling in front of them that they can look into, and they are making a conscious choice to not be defined by who they were before. But the thing is, they already had that conclusion in, in The Timeless Children, more or less. Yeah, there's a little bit of tweaking here and there, right? But what I mean is the Doctor is basically in the same place. We've had six episodes of build-up to be like, hey, the Doctor's going to find out more about her past. And we find out about the Division, I guess. But what did we think the Division was in Series 12 in The Timeless Children? The Division was introduced as a secret society of Time Lords who go about the universe... Do, you know, doing good. We assume that Gat is part of the division, and we assume that's what Joe Martin was escaping from in Fugitive of the Jadoon, right? In the end of series 13, the only new thing we know about it is that Tektion is kind of in control of it in the modern day. They are trying to wipe out the universe because of the Doctor, and that they don't just, you know, incorporate Time Lords, they incorporate operatives from every species in the universe. So, again... This is my point, is that with the big law-changing stuff that people always get so bogged down in, this series hasn't done much of that. It's sort of expanded on it a, a little bit, but been a little bit too held back to actually make a big statement like, this is happening, this is this. Like, I'm not saying I wanted the Doctor to open the watch. I love the note that it ends on with the Doctor not deciding not to be defined by her past and not open the watch and not look at her secrets. Because the chances are, in the next three specials, probably the Centenary special, she's probably going to open this watch. They are not going to leave that era without doing that. I don't think. Otherwise, you've wasted then, like, 
two series at that point, building this idea up in audiences' minds. I'm not saying I necessarily want that. I think it's a great note to leave for another showrunner to do if they want to do it, especially Russell T. Davis. He could do something interesting with that if he wanted to, probably wouldn't, but if he wanted to, he could have the option to have the next Doctor open that watch. Don't think they'll do it, but which is why I, I because I, because I don't think they'll do it. I would like them to do it at the end of this era. This is 13's arc now. The 13th Doctor is leaving the show in three episodes' time. She needs to really have something definitive here, and she is getting stuff definitive. It's about her past. It's about learning about who you are and not defining who the Doctor should be. And that is a fascinating note for 13 to really dwell on. Um, it's something that I've quite enjoyed. I know a lot of people have their grievances with this era and how it's written and how it's um, developed and how it's been put out there. But in terms of point by point, what's actually put out there um, as like a story idea, I don't mind it. Yeah, it might be conceived poorly by a few people and, and I, you know, I don't necessarily agree nor disagree with that. The concepts wise, I can't agree that that's a bad thing. I think the Timeless Children, I think the, the pre-Hartnell Doctors, I think the concept idea behind that, I think building a whole era off that, is great. I actually love that. I've always been very open about the fact that I'm a huge, huge fan of what they did with that. It's just sometimes how it's executed that's the problem. And Series 13 builds up so much on the division and the history of the Doctor, but doesn't actually do that much in terms of different from fucking Series 12. I don't want to diss about it really too much, but it's true. Like, for me, personally, I don't feel like the Doctor is in too different of a place. She's just made her own mind up, opposed to being told not to be defined about who she was before, you know? Obviously, she wants to know more, but I feel like she doesn't actually know that much more. Tektion, she met, had a small interaction with, had a sort of moral argument with before Tektion just died, and she didn't end up opening the watch. And again, my problem, I guess, is with the advertising of this era. Obviously, we all know the advertising has been kind of shoddy, um, building up to the series actually airing. But in terms of the next time trailers, since Village of the Angels, the next time trailers have been shocking because they are giving away too much. We had a next time trailer showing Kate Stewart, despite the fact that she was only in the episode like one minute. And then for the next time trailer for Survivors of the Flux, they seem to big it up as this big Dalek, Cybermen, Sontar and battle that the Daleks and Cybermen were on screen for like a minute as well. And it's like, I know you're doing it because you want more viewers, <laughs> but like, it's not a good look because it gets people, or at least from my perspective, it got me quite excited to see these ideas on screen just for them to be like a reuse shot from Revolution or like a standalone shot of two people in Cyberman costumes with guns whilst Cyberman dialogue speaks overhead. It's very, it feels very cheap and it feels very lazy and that's fine, but then don't put it in the next time trailer. Leave it to be a surprise, you know what I mean? Because if the Daleks and Sidemen appeared in this episode, and it wasn't in the next time trailer, I'd be like, oh my god, holy shit, they're back. But those exact shots were in the next time trailer for Survivors of the Flux. So, I don't know, what what can you say about that? Um, on a final note, before we move to Twitter and sort of summarising my thoughts, I think Kate Stewart, as I mentioned, has been so underused in this episode. I, th I feel like interactions with previous characters from the show are a huge deal for Doctor Who. Um when they bring back a character like Kate Stewart, for example, um, into like 12's era, we see Kate Stewart interacting with a new version of the Doctor, and that's always very exciting to see someone from a different era interact with the Doctor from the new era. And beyond the 13th Doctor just going, oh, Kate Stewart, what did we really get? Uh, like not a huge amount, to be quite honest. Like, I'm a little bit... I don't know. 
I'm a little bit iffy on that. Only because it's one of those things where... I don't know. It, it, I just... Bleh. I guess I just want something more from this. When you bring back a character. And the thing is, I felt the same about Captain Jack um, in Revolution. He was kind of underused. But at least he had something to do. He was given stuff to do. He was given dialogue, you know? Kate Stewart, what, honestly, I, I don't know what they did, but Gemma Redgrave deserves so much better than this. She's a phenomenal actress, and she proved her chops, especially in Survivors of the Flux. That speech she gives to the Grand Serpent is absolutely fantastic. It's genuinely brilliant stuff. But in this episode, I don't want to be rude, but it, she was written as if she was like a cardboard cutout. And I'm not being funny. She didn't even go in the TARDIS. She just skulked in the sewers and in the, the tunnels for the whole episode, appearing at the beginning and appearing at the end. And she has most of her dialogue at the point where she goes, oh, I like this regeneration. I'm like, do you? You haven't even fucking spoken to her. Like, not to be a dick, but like, my God, like, if you're going to bring back a character, get them to do something. Get them to have that interaction with the Doctor. Get them to really have an impact. Because, to be honest... I did not feel that from this. There was just no... I just didn't believe this was the same case to what we saw in the last episode. Or the last era. Really. I'm hoping she'll be back. I have a feeling that she's probably going to be in the Centenary Special. You know, it's Unit. It's the Master. She's got to be back for that. That'll be amazing. But I'm a bit like... I don't know. I just... I get a bit iffy because I'm kind of like... I get a bit iffy because I'm sort of like, I, when you bring back old characters, you really want them to have that interaction. And if they don't, it's disappointing. But it's the most basic thing you can do is just to get them to go, ah, you look different. People were joking about Kate Stewart having that sort of interaction from like Infinity War, where Thor and Captain America see each other's new looks. Um, it would have been like interesting for like Kate Stewart to be like, ah, I see you've copied my look or something. Like just something minor like that, where they, oh, they look kind of similar with the, with the, uh, with the blonde, the short blonde hair, um, or even just commenting that the Doctor's a woman. I know it's not a huge deal now because it's like, oh, it shouldn't be that big of a reaction, but like at least some sort of sarky comment from Kate Stewart, so at least she feels in character. It just felt a bit like she was there to serve a purpose and then disappeared. So I hope when they inevitably do bring her back for the Centenary Special, which they probably will end up doing, I I hope she's given more. I really, really do. Anyway. On the whole, I really like what they did with this episode in a lot of areas, but I think it's the way it came out, the way it was fucking like, executed, what you did with Kate Stewart, what you did with stories like, what you did with Azure and Swarm, what you did with the overall arcing story and not really making too big of a jump from six episodes ago, seven episodes ago even. Um, you know, it's not making that much of a difference, especially when the first series of this era didn't really do anything law-defining or canon-changing. You know, there's a little behind-the-scenes video, which is great, where Chibnall talks about how this was the plan all along. I don't believe it, because that just is not the case. Um, and that's fine, you know, things change, but then, like, this era really started with its law-defining, canon-changing stuff at the beginning of series 12. And if you're not going to expand much more on those conclusions in series 13, you've basically got one series of a whole era's arc. And that kind of concerns me. So hopefully the specials can really drag it out. But we'll wait and see. Eve of the Daleks does look very good. It's not very law-changing or canon-defining. But what I really like is it feels like a proper standalone event. And I'm quite excited for that. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to be tuning in on New Year's Day for that. That's, that looks very exciting. Anyway... Um, yeah, I don't know what the conclusion is with this, but we've got a lot of people from Twitter 
um, to talk to. So, um, I am going to have a look at Twitter, and we're going to read out some of your guys' comments and thoughts on this episode. We've got 64, so we're not going to get through all of them, but I'll read out as many as I can. At 13's TARDIS fam says, I love this. It did a great job of tying up most of the threads from Flux, with the exception of a few clearly continuing into the specials. It's a good point. And I think the choice to have the Doctor have the fob watch, but intentionally choose to hide it from herself is perfect. Music and acting is A+. I think the acting was pretty good, I'd agree. I think the music was phenomenal in this. I haven't even mentioned the music. The music was so good in this series, in this episode specifically. Very orchestraic. I feel like it's very telling the more it goes back to kind of Murray Gold-esque music, the more people love it. So, <laughs> there you go, I guess. And a very good point that probably a few of these arcs are going to go into the specials. I think for me, the disappointment comes from, again, stuff like Swarm and Azor, who are clearly dead and clearly won't get expanded upon in the specials. Yet, you know, and, and, that, and that's it. And it worries me that the other things that could be expanded in the specials might also just be ignored, similar to that of the Ravages. So, we'll see. But a good point, all the same. At Ludex Phil says, a flawed conclusion, no doubt, but still an enjoyable and fun watch. I would have totally agreed to that. At Phil, at Phil Brancato, um, very rough, but not the worst finale, and Chibnall's best so far. You could also f really feel the last-minute cuts, especially with Carvinista's brain bomb and the destroyed universe both going unaddressed. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's a few things like that. And I forgot to mention, yeah, there was a, one, in talking about editing cuts in the game and all that sort of thing, there's a part where, like, Dan comes in and he's like, oh, in the doghouse. So, yeah, it's quite funny, but obviously it's a bit like, oh, because his, his razor just died and Dan doesn't know that. But then it cuts really abruptly to a shot of Carvinista on the TARDIS where Dan goes, yeah, his entire race died. It's like... Wow, they're really just going to cut those two bits together, yeah? Jesus. Um, but yeah, it's an example of that that I thought of. At Bold Sasquatch 73 who happens to play Passenger in this episode, uh, and all the episodes in Flux, I thought it was pretty good. Well, that's great. I, I, I do agree. There's a lot of areas in this that are really good. And it's good to have someone from the actual cast of Doctor Who here as well, so thanks for commenting on that. At Chaz McGall, Lots of really great ideas that weren't given the chance to breathe due to the breakneck pacing. If this was eight or eight, if this was eight or ten episodes long, it would be one of my favourites. Uh, I totally agree, actually. Yeah, I think what this—it's not the fact that the story's bad. As I said, it's the pacing for me. That's what really drags it out of me. I like what it tries to do, and there's a few logistical errors with like the story that I really don't like. But I feel like make it eight or ten episodes, it would have a lot more room to breathe. Um, but yeah, it is what it is, I suppose. At Nevervale 01, uh, could have been so much better and showed the series was carrying too many characters. Nobody seemed bothered, but most of the universe was gone. Yeah, very true, to be honest. Um, again, yeah, too many characters, quite over-crammed. Um, which I think seems to be the general consensus between a lot of people. Uh, at Kit Orbis, uh, a thrilling ride with some beautiful moments along the way. But narratively, it feels a little rushed, and it certainly requires a heavy dose of suspension of disbelief. However, I think the production values were through the roof, the music and VFX particularly. I would totally agree. I think, again, you're totally right, there's a few little areas where it's like, ooh, not 100% sure on, 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 on that, and some bits do feel a little bit rushed, but yeah, no, it's, there's some pretty good stuff in there. At Folk Whore, <laughs> at, 
that's a great it's <laughs> a great username uh whilst uh whilst i think it left a bad taste for many making some characters feel pointless i did get a lot of enjoyment out of it the doctor split across three the Sontarans at their best and the stakes especially after the lupari genocide was it the best finale no did i still love it yes and that's absolutely fair enough um at box full of bickies flux would have been better if it was more episodes this is more wishful thinking though as obviously it was made during the pandemic so they couldn't do that but seven to eight episodes instead of just six would have given more time to show for example what yaz and dan were doing how they got out of meditum what happened to the girl god i forgot about the bloody girl <laughs> the grand serpent can do some more totally agreed even kate could have gotten more scenes with 13 so i hope chibnall manages to write flux as a target novelization either one thick book or a series of books um so we could see just what it might have gotten if there wasn't a pandemic and chibnall had no time restraints that's a really interesting idea i think flux actually totally would work really well as a target novelization and i think that's a really good note to end it on actually um i don't really want to talk about this episode too much more because i feel like we kind of summed it up on my youtube channel we're going to do a full flux review hopefully by the end of this week so that'll be quite exciting for something to look out for um in terms of this podcast um we've got um obviously last week's episode of the star wars review for the original trilogy and then of course we've got coming up a spider-man panel review coming this weekend which is quite exciting i'm very excited about it i'm recording it today so you can tell i'm very excited about it um and that'll be really good but yeah no i think just on that like final note imagine if flux was a target novelization that would be incredible i would genuinely buy that i i don't really read books that often as you can probably tell um but i i would absolutely eat that up I, i'd be on that immediately i think having that time to breathe and having that space would have been so much better and really getting to expand the lore and the ideas and the stuff like established in doctor who i think would have been amazing because this this really does need its breathing space and like day of the doctor was a great episode for example but it got expanded on beautifully in its target novelization i don't think it'll ever happen but i would love to see this entire series done as one huge target novel like it would be incredible i would really really love to see that and it's a great idea that i'd never really thought of so well done maybe i'm going to do some artwork for that next maybe that's my day sorted um yeah no well, that's a great little note to end it on, I think. Um, this has been The Who Review. We do this every single week when there's a new Doctor Who episode. We will be back. We will be back for Eve of the Daleks. We 100% will. I know we say sometimes, oh, I'm not sure, maybe we will, maybe we will. No, we will definitely be back for Eve of the Daleks um, on New Year's day no we're not going to be putting this on new year's day we'll put my normal review on new year's day and then of course my full in-depth who review episode will hopefully be going out mid that week a few days after the uh, youtube review so yeah um thanks again for listening thanks for supporting the podcast as per um and yeah thanks just thanks so much for supporting it as i mentioned at the beginning of this video um I really, really appreciate all the support with this, the podcast, this, these extended episodes. Um, it's been great to see so many new faces popping around the podcast, and I really hope you do stick around for our main film reviews. We're going to have a lot of exciting content uh, to come on this show. Um, we're wrapping up Series 2 now, but when New Year starts, we're going to have a lot more exciting stuff um, with Spill Your Beans expanding into new and interesting directions that I've got a lot of things planned for, and I'm very excited. So, hopefully, we'll see you all there. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for watching, thanks for watching, listening even, and hopefully we'll see you later on this week with our Spider-Man panel review. See you all later, have a lovely day, bye-bye.